sitting there going, I recognize that voice. I recognize that voice. It's the voice of a longtime NHL superstar, a Stanley Cup champion, an Olympic gold medalist, and now country star, Theron Fleury, joining us here in the 630 Chad studio. It's great to see you again, Theo. Always great to see you, Ryan. Did you always dream... I mean, it's funny because when we when we meet hockey players, when we talk to hockey players, especially here in Western Canada, did you always dream of playing in the NHL? <laughs> did you always dream of playing a guitar, cutting an album? <laughs> um, I don't know if I ever really dreamt about it, but, uh, you know, I grew up in and around country music my whole entire life. You know, my fondest memories as a child were sitting beside my grandfather listening to him play the fiddle and and my dad was an entertainer and my uncle was an entertainer and uh, I actually had a first cousin who finished in the top 10 of Canadian Idol one year. Who's that? Uh, her name is Amber Fleury. Wow. Yeah and so um, well I'm a Métis person so if you know anything about Métis people uh, music is part of our DNA and um so the the song that you just played was sort of uh a memory of when I was first introduced to country music and uh you know the the first line of the song is in the in that sacred place in the valley that I call home which is the Assiniboine Valley so um my dad was born on a farm not in a hospital he was born on a farm and uh, uh, the farm that they had was called Chinatown because the railroad, my, my grandfather was a railroader, and uh, the railroad uh, went right through the property, and everybody knows the railroad was built by uh, the Chinese back in the day, and so they called this place Chinatown. And so there was this absolutely incredible view of the whole entire Cinnaboyne Valley, and so... My life's been a country song is is about you know that memory that I have with my with my grandpa. I know that there's storytelling in every genre of music, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'll give our listeners a heads up here. By the way, uh, I gave you a heads up. We we want to just jump all over the place sure. in this interview. So some, I mean, someone Stevens chimed in. He wants to know your take on Alberta politics okay. right now. <laughs> I want to know your take on Yermer Yager, third all time right. in points. But but right now, I want to talk about this album because today's a special day. Today today uh, tonight rather I should say your tour kicks off. Yes, Theo Fleury and the Death Valley Rebels will be playing at the Century Casino. You, you picked Edmonton. And when we talk about music, as I mentioned, you can tell stories in all genres. Hip-hop would be an example. But you look at country and you look at the blues. Right. And it seems to be songs about highs and lows. Yes. Yes. Is yeah. that why it fits your style a little bit? Yeah. Well, uh, I would say my early music influences. So the stuff that I heard my dad singing was Buck Owens, Charlie Pride, Johnny Cash, Elvis, you know. All these incredible storytellers, and uh, and so you know the the album obviously reflects uh, probably the most difficult struggles that I had in my life, you know, and and uh, and so yeah, it's it's been a fun project, um, and how this all came about was uh, I uh, I'd recently retired. I wrote "Playing with Fire." And was sitting around going, okay, what am I going to do next, you know? 
And so I had a friend in Winnipeg who's in the music industry. And our dads used to play music together before we were even born. And he's a singer, songwriter, producer in Winnipeg for Sony Music uh, North America. And I phoned him up and I said, hey, I want to stroke something off my bucket list. I said, uh, would you write a song with me? And he said, yeah, I would love to. He said, but there's one stipulation. He said, uh, while you're here, he said, on Tuesday and Thursday, we play musicians hockey. <laughs> so bring your gear. And uh, and so we wrote a song called As a Story Goes, which is the first song I ever wrote. And, and I actually skated to that song when I did Battle of the Blades uh, during Country Week. And uh, it's done very well on iTunes, and there's a video on YouTube that we put together. And, uh, and yeah, and so I just kept going back to Winnipeg and writing more more stuff and more songs. And and then I had a an old drinking buddy in Calgary when I was playing for the Flames. Him and I used to hang out every once in a while and get into trouble. And, and uh, you know, the whole time we were together i knew that he played guitar but i never realized that he was also a songwriter and, and a producer and all that and so you know we both get sober and uh one night he comes over to my house and we go into the basement he's got his guitar and and uh uh we wrote the title song to the album in about 45 minutes uh and uh you know he He's, you know, the the manager of the band now, and he put all this together, and, uh, you know, we did the album in Calgary because I wanted to keep it Canadian, and, and uh, you know, everybody says, you know, you need to go to Nashville to do a, you know, to do a great country music album. Well, we did one right in, in our backyard in Calgary at a place called OCL Studios, which is state-of-the-art, absolutely awesome, and... Uh, not only that, we spent the last few nights uh, rehearsing out there in a great uh, rehearsal studio, and so it's been great. What was it? Do you do you you? I mean, it's a foolish question. Do you remember your first NHL game? I mean, was 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 hitting the ice the time your blades hit the ice? Did you get the same sense the first time you walked into a recording studio? Was it equally <laughs> as special? Yeah, it was. It was different for sure because it was all so new to me and. Uh, um, to be honest with you, when I started, I wasn't, I wasn't a very good singer, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but I knew I could tell a hell of a story, you know, and, uh, you know, Johnny Cash wasn't the greatest singer in the world, but man, could he ever tell a story and, and, uh, you know, found a vocal coach in Calgary who, uh, did some work with Paul Brandt, uh, over the years. So I spent, you know, oh, I don't even know how many countless hours with, with a guy named Brian uh, Farrell uh, in Calgary and uh, taught me how to breathe and taught me, you know, which body parts to use when I was, when I was singing. And, uh, and yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been uh, a huge learning curve, but, uh, you know, something that I absolutely love now and it's, and it's so much fun. And, and 
really looking forward to tonight at the at the Century and uh, looking forward to meeting people and uh, you know having some fun. Yeah, you have an interesting connection with your fans because th- there are those that are uh, fans of yours for purely hockey reasons. Right. They never forget you. I mean, Nail Yakupov tried to steal your move, you know, <laughs> sliding across the ice. So that he, I thought that was awesome. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, wasn't it the best? It was great. People started cracking. I was yeah. like, give me a break. No, for what? You know, uh, that, I think that's what what hockey is really missing is those characters, you know, that, that we used to have, you know, like J, Jeremy Roenick. I was just going to say JR and you. And, and, and uh, yeah, there was lots of guys, you know, Esatikinen, you know, listening to him doing an interview and going, what did he just say, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that the reason why we play hockey and the reason why we're in the NHL is to score goals. And when you score goals, you should get excited, you know, because it's it's not an easy thing to do. I'm going to ask goals. you about uh, number 97 here in Edmonton, who's okay. making a little bit of noise in just a little bit. What I love when he scores, he's he's a quiet guy, as you know, in yeah. interviews, he's quite reserved. Yeah. And and but when he scores a goal, he'll splash himself yeah. against the glass. The point I wanted to make because I mean, people love you for what you did on the ice, but then Theo, after retirement, I mean, you put it all out there. Uh, you you write or you co-author a, a book that I mean took a ton of courage playing with fire you followed it up with conversations with the rattlesnake and and now you've released this album were you always writing or did you find that that helped in your your recovery process what has the impact of picking up a pen been in your life (laughs) well um you know i love i love telling this story because um you know when i retired from hockey um you know, I still had more than half my life left to live. And I was like, you know, what the hell does the rest of my life look like? And and so a chance meeting at an alumni golf tournament in Calgary, <clears throat> um, I ran into an old media guy that used to cover the Flames, and we had this conversation back and forth. And he asked me what I was doing, and I said, I'm doing nothing. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, do you know anybody that'd be interested in writing a book with me? And he says, well, funny you should ask. He says, my wife, Kirsty Day, is a writer. And I said, well, set up a meeting. And so I met with her three days after that. And three days after I met with her, we started writing Playing With Fire. So four days before I'm going to Toronto to do all this media and, and uh, you know, the Fifth Estate had come in and done a huge documentary and it was me, you know, talking about the sexual abuse for the first time. And and, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm like going, what did I just do here? Like, I'm crapping in my pants. And, and uh, so I go to Toronto and we do the first book signing. And my expectations for the book were, you know, whatever. You know, I didn't really have a whole lot of expectations. So I show up at this book signing in Toronto, and 400 people show up at this book signing. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, you know, I'm not Wayne Gretzky, you know. And uh, so I started signing books. Out of the corner of my eye, I spot this guy in line. He's got my book clutched against his chest. His face is buried in the floor, and he's walking really slow. And so I followed him all the way in the line. He gets to the front of the line. He puts the book on the table, looks me in the eye, and says, Me too. Wow. And, you know, that's that's when I knew. You know, and now that I look back on it and I go, 
how much courage it took for that guy to come to that book signing. And, and I know he was probably doing it for himself, but he doesn't realize the impact those two words had on me that would shape sort of the rest of my life. Because those two words to me were purpose for my life and purpose for going through the things that I went through uh, to deliver this sort of spiritual message to me. And, uh, and it really hasn't stopped since, you know, over 500,000 people since 2009 have uttered those two words to me. More than half a million people? Yeah, well, I would say it's, it's probably closer to 600,000 now. Absolutely. And so, you know, what I've realized is, you know, here I am carrying this secret around my whole entire life going, I'm the only one in the world that this has happened to. And I quickly realized that it's the most common thing that happens in the world. Right? Well, I want to ask you along those lines about your ballad, Sick is Your Secrets, because that phrase is going to jump out at a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But, Theo, being that it is 1020, pardon me for one second. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're tuning in right at this second, I don't have to tell you, this is the show that's been in the making for a quarter century. Guns N' Roses reunited in Las Vegas for the first time in more than 20 years, and you could be there. One lucky winner and a guest is going to win a trip to go to Sin City to see GNR perform the very first show back together. If you're not registered yet, go to 630ched.com to take care of it, and then tune in every weekday at 720, 1020, and 4:20. If you hear your name, you've got 6 minutes and 30 seconds to give us a shout at 780-496-0063. That's how you qualify. Bob Greenwood in Sherwood Park. If you give us a call in the next six minutes, 30 seconds, your day's about to get a whole lot better. Bob Greenwood, best of luck. And just a reminder, as the oil go early tonight, the City Ford Faceoff Show at 3.30, puck drop at 5 against Columbus. That means that we'll be reading the next name at 3.20. You never partied with GNR, did you? No. <laughs> no. No, I'm a country guy. You're a country guy. I don't guy. even know who Guns N' Roses are. I got to get a break out of the way when we come back. What's Sick Is Your Secrets all about? Why was it important for Theo to write that tune? More with number 14 after this. Love it. Theo Fleury over the recorded track live in the 630 Ched <laughs> studio. Theo Fleury and the Death Is it? Are you going by Theron or Theo? Theo. Theo yeah. Fleury and the I'm Death like Valley Cher and Madonna. Yeah. You know, that you know kind of drop stuff, yeah. the Fleury. <laughs> let, let that one hang in the Hockey Hall of Fame soon yeah. enough. Am I right? The album I Am Who I Am. You can hear tracks from that album tonight at Century Casino. I, I don't have time to read all the text messages, but I'll tell you, uh, Ted speaks for a whole bunch of Oilers fans. Yeah. He says, uh, I really didn't uh, have much use for you, Theo, back in the day. Right. He says, I, but I'll tell you, he says, I've checked out Playing With Fire, and now I've got nothing but respect for you and, and where you are now. Well, you probably hear that a lot in the yes, Capital Region. I do, for sure. Um, you know, every time I come back to Edmonton, you know what was really cool? When I made the comeback in uh, in 2009, uh, uh, they, they brought me on a road trip. So I played in Vancouver, and I played uh, a game in Edmonton here, and... Uh, what was really cool was, uh, you know, when they announced my name, uh, that I got a huge cheer and, and people were so happy that I was able to sort of, uh, you know, make this comeback in life, so to speak. And so it was kind of cool to to be in, you know, Rexall and, and actually 
get cheered instead of, you know. <laughs> was that probably the first time in your career, well, I guess, eh? First time, for sure. <laughs> well, one of the ballads uh, on your album, I Am Who I Am, titled Sick Is Your Secrets, and anybody that's been through the Alcoholics Anonymous program yes. is going to recognize yes, that affirmation. Yes. Uh, you talked about the gentleman that came up with his book and, and said, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you said tonight and, and in future dates on your tour, you're looking forward to meeting fans. Do a yes. lot of people talk to you about substance abuse issues oh, as well? everything, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, there's been such a huge uh, outpouring with mental health issues, right? And and so many people think that mental health is a separate issue, and alcoholism is a separate issue, and trauma is a separate issue, but they all live in the same house. Trauma happens to us in our childhood, leaves us with emotional pain and emotional scars, which is mental health. And so how do we deal with this pain that's left behind while well, we get into addictions and you know different uh ways to cope with our mental health issues and and they all live in the same place and so you know sick is your secrets is really uh a story about my own personal battles with mental health and the reason why i was struggling mentally was I was carrying and holding on to this secret. And, and, and it's our secrets that make us sick. And so, um, you know, by telling my own story, it's helped other people tell their stories. Hmm. And what comes behind telling your story is an incredible amount of empowerment after you do it because no longer do you have to carry that around it's out there and uh and it's and it's really been amazing and and my experience was you know people didn't re-victimize me or re-shame me they said man you have courage and man you have strength and and you know, Little Warriors, which is an incredible program here in Edmonton, you know, they have a saying, courage is contagious. And it really is. And I've seen it, you know, over and over. And, and uh, so it's been to to be that sort of safe person where people can come and, and tell these stories is absolutely unbelievable. And I'm going to tell you a story because this one even tops the one I just told you. So... Shortly after Playing With Fire comes out, I'm doing a speaking engagement in Calgary to a small group of 60 people. So I tell my story. And uh, and so I, at the end of my speech, a bunch of people lined up and thanked me. and da, da. But I spot this guy who's standing way to the side. And he's just waiting to be sort of the last guy in line. So he comes up. He comes up stands in front of me looks exactly like Santa Claus I swear to God the beard the hair the belly everything looked exactly like Santa Claus he says hi my name is so and so and I was molested for 705 consecutive days and you're the first person I've ever told in my life and I was just like I was so blown away you know and to be as old as he was and carrying you know, that secret around for as long as he did, you know, I really felt tremendous compassion for him. And, and, uh, and speaking about compassion, 
One of the greatest things that I've been able to do in the last year is I've spoken at five maximum security prisons. You know, to can you can you stick around for five yeah, more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we? Go, I, I want to get to the news headlines here. I'd love to pick up there. Okay, more with Theron Flurry right here on six thirty. Chat after this. Theron Fleury, our guest in studio, his show tonight at Century Casino. You'll hear tracks from the album I Am Who I Am, Theo Fleury and the Death Valley Rebels. Uh, Ken, Theo on the text line, says, thanks for your explanation, Theo, of possible causes of addiction. You may have just saved my family life. Holy cow. You should read some of these. Wow. I mean, you know, look at this. I mean, you know, somebody else, this is Rick, says, uh, thank you for your speaking, for your book. Uh, thanks to your book, I gathered the courage to confront the abuse from my past. I was more than 59 years of age at the time. So thank you, Theo. You've helped me find my healing and my freedom. Wow. Hmm. Do you hear this time and time again? Does it still mean something to you every oh time? Oh, my God. I'm tearing up right now as I'm, I'm listening to it. You know, it's just amazing to... To get, you know, to hear these stories, you know. Well, we we cut you off for the news right mm-hmm. as you were about to tell us about your five opportunities you've had to speak to to inmates in ma- yeah. maximum security prisons. Yeah. What's been the impact of that with you, and what's been your message to them? Well, I think the biggest thing that I've learned from you know all five speaking opportunities I've had at these prisons was these guys have taught me about compassion. They really have taught me about compassion because I was I remember, you know, I'm in Stony Mountain Penitentiary, talking to 300 inmates, and and uh, about halfway through my speech, I stopped, and I was looking at these guys, and I was looking at them in the eye, and I saw myself 10 years ago, you know that that look of emptiness and sadness and and. Uh, Anger, you know, I was just, it just, honestly, it stopped me dead in my tracks. And, and I realized that, that, um, that I could have been sitting there listening to whoever, you know, and, uh, and, and the, and the stories and the feedback that we get from going to those places is, you know, it's just incredible. I don't think I've ever heard you talk politics, but, but uh, Stephen has chimed in on the text line, and the way he asked the question makes me want to ask you, because I'm curious to know how you'll respond. He says, would you please ask Theron Fleury for his take on the war against Alberta? <laughs> so I suppose Stephen feels like Alberta's not being respected uh, here by our eastern counterparts. Do you, are you, would you consider yourself to be politically aware? Are you paying Absolutely. attention to that kind of stuff? 100%. What do you um, make of what's going on right now? Well, you know, we... we as a province have obviously had it very good and and uh and we have supported the rest of the country because of you know our resources and and uh it seems like uh we're we're not being paid back for you know all the things that we've done for this country and and uh you know obviously with you know all the climate change and carbon and all that you know we're sort of getting a bad rap and and uh you know i was up in fort mcmurray a few years ago and never had really seen the tar sands and how it works and and all that and what i was really kind of um blown back was all the reclaimed land that they had fixed and turned back into you know 
as close to its original state as they possibly could. And and so, you know, when you've got a guy like Leonardo DiCaprio talking out of his, you know, you know, you can say ass out of his ass, you know, you, you, you just realize that so many people are uninformed as to what is really going on. We're not, you know, cowboys and, you know, we're ruining the environment. You know, we're trying to do the best we can to, you know, make this province uh, as great as it is. And, you know, just hearing the story that you just told me about this this uh, woman who has cancer mm. and Albertans quickly raised $55,000 for this woman. That's what Alberta is all about. And, and that's what I love about this province is that, you know, we help people all the time you know we we have incredible charity we we're so giving we're so you know uh somebody's in trouble we're always going to be there to pick them up and help them out and and so i think we just get a bad rap and and obviously you know there's that old saying you can't fix stupid right and and most politicians and and you know i'm following what's going down what's going on in the u.s and that's just absolutely bonkers what's going on down there it's unbelievable uh it's the best reality tv you could oh, possibly watch i know? watched a bit of the gop debate oh. last night and i can't even I, I can't even process what i'm seeing on it television. is un- i mean bill o'reilly said he can't process what he's seeing yeah. and that's saying something and, and that guy's been around politics <laughs> his whole entire life you know so um hopefully you know we we get things back on track and and uh and helps you know so many people because you know look at how many suicides are happening because you know people are you know lost their jobs and you know don't know where to turn and don't know where to go and and uh i just think canada we're better than what we're showing right now Hmm. and and it's unfortunate that you know in politics you know the best people aren't the ones that are in leadership roles in in politics let's face it you know and uh you know our leaders are the guys that are in business you know and 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 making money and and making decisions and and all of that so it's it's a bit unfortunate right now but you know as we all know it runs in cycles and we just got to be patient pinch our pennies and and be a little bit frugal if we can and and uh you know it'll come back I just have a minute or so left, but I'm curious, you know, not many NHLers retire uh, with career numbers that are above a point a game, and you just did it. You managed to do it. (laughs) With 1,088 points and 1,084 career games, uh, your former colleague on the ice, Yermer Yager, uh, has recently, just this week, moved into third all-time on the points list with uh, 1,850. What was Yogs like to play against? Well, he's obviously one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And, and uh, you know, to tie Gordie Howe, Mr. Hockey, last night was, uh, you know, incredible achievement. But it just goes to show you that you keep yourself in shape. You know, you stay stay away from, you know, partying and, and, and all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, he you can see he still loves to play the game you know and and for me at the end of my career I was done I knew I was done and and 
You, you just know, and and but it's great for you know us guys that played in that era and played against him to see him still doing the things that he's doing on the ice, and and uh, I think it's great because you know it's a it's a young man's game, you know, and I don't think you're going to see guys not only play into their forties, but I don't think you're going to see guys play even past 35 anymore. So we should enjoy Connor McDavid's 20s. Yes, is what you're absolutely, saying. for yeah. sure. You want to cop your rookie year. He's going to miss the playoffs in, in his. Yeah. What do you make of what you see from him? Well, um, you know, here's the thing. When I was playing in the 80s and 90s, you know, we had 20, 30 Connor McDavid's playing in the league at that time. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for Edmonton. I think it's great for Alberta. I think it's great for the Battle of Alberta. You know, we've got Johnny Goudreau and and Sean Monaghan and and Sam Bennett in in Calgary. And, and, you know, the Oilers got Yakupov, McDavid, uh, Eberle, Hall, you know. And uh, it's a bit unfortunate. I, I... I like to watch the Oilers play because of how exciting they are, and and it's just unfortunate that I think they need to get more defensemen that can move the puck and better goaltending. And if they do that, they'll be the Chicago Blackhawks of the you know of the next uh, decade. That's a good place to wrap up. Thanks, Theron Flurry. It's always an absolute pleasure to see you. You too. You can hear so Theo and the Death Valley Rebels tonight at the Century Casino. Uh, stop number one on their tour, rolling out the new album "I Am Who I Am." Now, Theo touched on the story of the Crawford family. Julie Crawford now home, thanks to a GoFundMe campaign that saw Edmontonians, Albertans, Canadians step up and raise more than fifty thousand dollars to fund a medevac flight home so she could celebrate her son's seventh birthday. We'll talk to Corey Crawford, Julie's husband, next. A few days ago, you may not have known the names Corey and Julie and Adam Crawford. Julie, for the last five and a half years, has been battling melanoma. She was out in Ontario for a process called an adoptive T-cell transfer as kind of a last-ditch effort. But her son Adam's getting set to turn seven. Julie wanted to be back here in Edmonton, back home, albeit at the Cross Cancer Institute, but with Adam to celebrate his seventh birthday. And that's when friends of the Crawford family stepped up and said, we're going to make this happen. So at GoFundMe.com slash Julie Crawford, they set up an initiative. They called it Getting Julie Home. And they asked people to consider making a donation. Well, over the last few days, 668 people stepped up to the plate. Donating, as of right this minute, $62,225 to fund a medevac flight, which occurred yesterday, and other initiatives for the Crawford family. It is my honor to welcome Corey Crawford, Julie's husband, to the program this morning. Corey, thank you for taking the time to speak with us. You're welcome. I know that your family right now is in an obviously emotional period, but can you recap for us what these last few days have been like with so much going on? It has been a whirlwind, to say the least. Um, We were desperately focused on trying to get Julie back home 
uh, in any way that we could. And the response to the fundraising effort has been extremely humbling. We, we thought we would see a strong response from friends and family, but to see 600 and some odd people have now donated to the tune of 60 some odd thousand dollars is there are no words we are eternally grateful to everybody that saw the story read the story shared the story i think it's been shared now something like 2,000 times it's just unbelievable Corey, I don't know if you were tuned in just a few minutes ago, but off air, I had told Theron Flurry about this story, and you should have seen his his eyes welled up with tears, and he was talking about then on the air about the fact that right now the economy in Alberta maybe isn't in the best scenario, but what people have done for your family says a lot about Albertans. What did it say about how people feel about the fight that your family is in the midst of right now? It's just an incredible story of people coming together. I mean, what it to me, it showed me that despite everything that's going on, I mean, like you said, the economy and everything, that all of those things can be put aside. You know, there are still good people that want to help, and it's just been incredible for, for our family. I mean, to get Julie home on the day of Adam's birthday was, uh, there are no words. I mean, it's just we, we're so grateful we're so thankful to everybody that helped what was the impact of having your wife and her little guy together to to mark his seventh birthday what was that like for your family how powerful was that oh it was amazing uh it, it was something that i mean to be honest we thought we may never get the chance to do so to be able to have it be on his birthday was just such a special thing, such a special way to celebrate Adam's birthday. Uh, there couldn't have been a better way. Corey, I, I can't ignore the fact that there are some heart-wrenching and heartbreaking times ahead, it sounds like, for your family. I know that some people are uh, making efforts to continue to fundraise, uh, despite the fact that Julie is home, that this yeah. medevac flight has been covered. There are still going to be some needs in days and weeks yeah. and months and, and years to come. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So the, uh, I wasn't sure, you know, that we would raise enough money to even cover the flight. Uh, obviously, we have, and then some. Um, the, the the commitment that I've made for the remaining funds that are needed for any hospital uh, expenses, et cetera, of which there won't be many because, uh, thankfully, we are Canadian, and those things are, you know, obviously covered as part of our our rights as Canadians, which is incredible. Um, anything that remains will go into uh, education fund and REFP for our son to help make his future a little brighter. That's you know, the time that is appropriate when he goes off to college, university, whatever it is that he chooses to do with his life in the future, which is, I mean, what can be said about that? It's just, it's such a gift. Corey, I'm, I'm going to leave this last comment in the capable hands of a listener by the name of Sarah, who I think speaks for thousands of us that are tuned in right now. Sarah says, please tell Corey that my thoughts and my heart are with him and his family. Losing his wife as his son loses a mom is heartbreaking, I know, and we commend his courage. Thank you.
Corey, thank you for talking to us. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. And if even only for a day or two, we're thrilled to be able to share in this good news story. Thank you, Ryan. And to everybody that donated, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. It means so much. Much Thank love, you. Corey. That's Corey Crawford. He and his wife, Julie, together with their son, Adam, to celebrate Adam's seventh birthday. Sure, the party was in the room, Julie's room at the Cross Cancer Institute, but together nonetheless. As mentioned, that GoFundMe account is still open. It'll help the family cover costs that will arise in future. It's GoFundMe.com slash Julie Crawford.